Hey everybody, this is Kayla Doan here with Growth with Girlfriends. This is a space where we discuss what we're learning and what's working on our path towards creating our best lives. So, you know when you have a lot of information about a topic and then you're just kind of surprised when you learn that it's not common knowledge. Like when you're at work and you are talking every day with coworkers who share the ins and outs of your industry or maybe know a lot about your given profession, and then you go talk with family members and they're like, we just have no clue what you're talking about or what it is that you do. That experience is kind of similar to my relationship to personal finance. So Growing up, my family was very financially conservative. We were a middle-class family. My mom launched a successful small business when I was young. My dad went from managing a Burger King restaurant to just last year he retired where he was a VP of this big publicly traded company that ran Burger King restaurants. And I really saw my parents live into the American dream. And Their excitement for business and careers and taxes and accounting, like those were the topics that we talked about at the dinner table every night. And that really rubbed off on me. By the time I graduated high school, I'd completed the equivalent of four semesters of accounting. I went on to graduate top of my my class and my business program. And and then I went off into the world and I didn't think too much about personal finance. I, of course, was, you know, taking a look at my own money strategies, but I was really surprised in my mid-20s when I started talking to girlfriends about what they were doing and what was working for them that I was met with a lot of blank stares, and I learned that the financial literacy that I had access to growing up um, was not available for everyone else, and there just was no benchmark to know if the decisions that we were making were good ones. And I ended up writing an article called Advanced Personal Finance for Young Professionals. And it was this conglomeration of all the resources I could find that I felt were helpful, that I wanted my friends to have access to. And the interesting thing about putting things out there online, whether it is your Facebook feed that you get reminders of things that you said and did 10 years ago, articles and podcasts, you can reflect back on what it is that you said. And thinking about all of the things that are going on in your life in your 20s versus in when you're in your 30s. And also thinking about everything that our economy has gone through, the pandemic that we lived through. I was so shocked to see that all of the fundamentals that I was sharing in my 20s, I'm still living today. So I wanted to use this time today to share with you a couple of those top key takeaways and rules of thumb that I think apply to everybody. And my hope for you is that you'll feel the same sense of security that I feel when it comes to money and finances, that no matter what comes my way, I know that I have the knowledge and the intuition to guide myself to a good place. All right, so let's dive in. The first thing that I encourage friends to do with their personal finances, it's going to sound really overly simple, but dig into the numbers. Just take a look at what's going on. 
pull all of your accounts, checking accounts, savings accounts, investment accounts, company 401ks from that company you left three years ago, pull it all into one place. Mint.com is a great resource for this. They kind of aggregate all of those different data feeds and they present everything in a nice dashboard. Um, And just see what's going on with your budget, with um, your different spending breakdowns, and really get a feel for what's going on on a longer trajectory. So not just this month, but really over the course of this past year. And if you have access to the data over the past few years. Pro tip, I used Mint for a couple of years, and then I actually moved all of my data into this ginormous Excel spreadsheet, so I would always have that data. So over time, you close accounts out, and also any site that is relying on an API like Mint.com or some of their competitors, there's going to be data limits of how much they're willing to pull through. So in the past, I had lost my data, and then they only went back 90 days in history. So in order to really retain all of the information that you need to track your finances on an ongoing basis, I recommend pulling it into something like a Google Sheet or like Excel so that you have everything that you need over time. Next, take a look at what the data is telling you in terms of trends and spending breakdown. So there's this rule of thumb that I think is great and a lot of finance professionals recommend 50-30-20. So 50% of your take-home pay goes to your fixed expenses. This is your house, your apartment, your car. Secondly, 30%, that's your discretionary spending. So that is your credit card bill and your debit card transaction list at the end of the month. All the ways that you spend your money that are not fixed expense. The last piece is your savings. So 20% of your take-home pay should be going to long-term savings. That's actually a lot of money. If we take a theoretical salary of 100K, take-home pay is going to be about 70K, and 20% of that is around $1,600 a month. Like, that's a lot of money to save. So in order to really hit that number and to set yourself up for success, you're going to want to take advantage of your company 401k plan, especially if they have a company match. You're also, if your company doesn't offer a match, or maybe you haven't been saving in years prior and you kind of need a catch up, you're going to need to have a strong investment strategy to get yourself to where you want to be. So that is the 50-30-20 rule of fixed expenses, discretionary spending, and how much you should be saving. And I found that regardless of my crazy life transitions and changes over the past decade, that rule of thumb has pretty much held up for me. So I definitely recommend using that as a benchmark. So next concept, you have your bills, you have investments, where should your money be going? There's this great resource that was being circulated around Reddit that I love that I'll post in the show notes that kind of has a visual breakdown of this. So first, you need to have an emergency savings fund. If anything were to happen to you, you need to have a safety net. So typically that is three to six months worth of expenses. And I'm going to be sharing some pro tips on this coming up. Next, you want to take advantage of any company match that you might have. Your employer is giving you money to invest. 
if you are not taking advantage of that, you are literally leaving a paycheck on your desk that you are not cashing. Make sure to take advantage of that as soon as you start a new job. From there, everything else, you want to take a look at it from the lens of interest rates. What is the interest that you're paying on a given loan, on your credit cards, and then what is the annual yield or the interest rate that you're going to be making investing in the market in your savings accounts or any other savings vehicles that you might have. So you're going to want to pay off any high interest credit card debt. Maybe you have a high interest student loan that you need to pay off. And then really anything lower than like 6%, you want to keep that loan for as long as possible and invest the money that you would have spent into the market. Let me give you an example. The first financial investor that I started working with when I was 19, um, clearly I loved this topic, he was still paying off low interest rate student loans in his 30s, and he was pumped about it because instead of just paying that off, he was taking that money and investing it into the market and making a whole bunch more money off of it than he would have had if he had just paid that student loan off. Another example is your mortgage. So right now, mortgage rates are at an all-time low. When I was buying my condo in Boston, I kind of dutifully got 20% um, down payment together. And then once I actually did the math at the return on that investment, it actually made more sense for me to take out a bigger loan and put less money down and take that money I would have spent on that down payment and invest it right in the market. Because our market typically gives us anywhere from a 6 to 10% return. And the last couple of years has been totally gangbusters. It's been so much higher than that. So I will always make more money in the market than the interest rate that I am paying and losing through a loan. So For each of these decisions that you make, it can feel so good to pay something off, but sometimes it actually makes sense to have a little bit of debt, to have a low interest rate loan, to have a low interest rate car loan, and invest that money that you would have spent otherwise into the market. Now, what doesn't make sense is not taking action and keeping that money in your checking and savings accounts and just having loans, because then you're just losing money. You need to actually invest it in that high yield stock market investment. And the last tip that I'll leave you with today, something that I don't hear many other people speak about, but I've been doing for a number of years now, and it's been working really well for me, is investing my emergency savings. Typically, the common advice is save your emergency fund in checking or in your savings account so that you can get to it at any time. And I would definitely encourage you to keep a slush fund in your checking account or in your savings account so you don't accidentally overdraw or if bills hit at weird times, definitely keep a slush fund. But in terms of your emergency savings, there's really nothing in my life that I could imagine popping up where I would need money immediately today from a bank that I couldn't wait one to two days for my online investing tool to get me access to my money. Typically why a financial advisor might advise against this is because the market fluctuates. 
And so the way that I hedge that bet is specifically choosing stocks and bonds that are very low risk. And robo-advisor platforms like Wealthfront can help you actually identify what those low risk investments should be. And also I put in a little bit of extra money into the emergency savings to kind of hedge any bets if there might be a little bit of market fluctuation. So for example, if I want my emergency fund to be $10,000, I might put in $10,500 so that if it fluctuates by 5%, I still have the $10,000 that I need to take out. And in this approach, your money isn't losing money to inflation at the bank. You are actually making your money work for you by being accessible in case you need it, as well as making for you when you don't need it. I will include all of these resources in a link in the show notes. I hope that you are excited to dive into your finances and you feel proactive and you feel a sense of security that your finances can help you achieve whatever it is that's important to you. This has been another episode of Growth with Girlfriends. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Kayla Doan. Looking forward to having you on the next one.